Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I think we're live. All right. Welcome, everyone. Uh, sorry, I had a slight delay there. Uh, Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas of for the first of many upcoming Monday night live shows. We will be live here talking Michigan football at 6 p.m. on Monday nights throughout the season. So, fellas, uh, good to be back. I'm in the, uh, the captain's chair, so to speak, for these. So, um, yeah, basically what we'll do uh, before we get both of you guys in here, we're going to talk about decisions. Well, the next step in the decision was announced over the weekend. A depth chart was also announced. We spoke to Jim Harbaugh earlier today. So, fellas, uh, welcome on in. And, and Chris, you finally, you've got the headset, you've got the microphone, you look like a Twitch streamer here. So, welcome to the 21st century. 
just kidding. I can hear you. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I was just messing with you. I've had all kinds of problems with these mics, man, and it's kind of nerve-wracking. have been live since I was on the Bozo show, I think, back when I was like in kindergarten. So and you guys probably don't even remember that. It was well before your time. So, Wait, but it was just – is this Bozo the Clown you're referring to? It is. To? I was not the clown. I was just a kindergarten kid throwing balls into a bucket back then. But, uh, yeah. But this is fun, fellas. And uh, assuming that the Wi-Fi holds up, we've had some major storms go through here, fellas. Mm-hmm. So we all lost a little bit of power at one point or another. But, hey, let's talk some Michigan football. And imagine naming your kid Bozo and he ends up being something other than a clown. It'd be unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there was actually a guy who named his kid Adolf, and it's like, come on, man, what are you mm. doing? You know, no. so Bozo Adolf, those are big no-nos. Kids. Those are off the table now. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I'm pumped, fellas, for these, and it's game week. You get the buzz around town a little bit, driving around past the big house earlier. You kind of looking at it, realizing we're going to be up in that press box and uh, hit a tailgate before in just a few days. So crazy. Yeah, it's exciting. And uh, you know what? It was interesting today, guys, listening to Jim Harbaugh talk after his podcast. We needed some clarity on the quarterbacks. And, it, you know, there was a faction that said, oh, it's going to be how J.J. fares against Colorado State and how uh, – or I'm sorry, how J.J. fares against Hawaii and, and Cade fares against Colorado State that's going to determine who's the starter for the rest of the year. Well, that'd be just stupid. So we knew that wasn't going to happen. And Jim Harbaugh did say today that – both guys are going to play. This thing could go on all year. He said, even beyond that, these guys both have a lot of eligibility left. And it's like he said, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. So anyone who's you know, typically the three of us will come in and do the Thursday show. And it's a lot more, I say structured loosely because we have, you know, we have a good time on there and, and we get through, we'll cover a lot of ground, but uh, these, these Monday night shows and really all of the live shows. So just a quick intro to that. We'll be here Monday nights. John Borton will do Tuesdays at five 30 uh, you'll get a recruiting show with EJ Holland on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Uh, post-game shows with me, usually about 15 minutes after the game ends, uh, with myself and Ryan Van Bergen. And then Sunday, Ballas will be with Skeen at 7 p.m. So that's what we're we're doing for right now. Thurs- the Thursday show will stay intact. Probably not. Uh, it doesn't look like at this point we'll be able to make that happen live, but you will still get the three of us on Thursdays. But, yeah, let's hop right into it then. Uh, the quarterback battle has been – the story of the offseason for Michigan, Jim Harbaugh announced in a bit of a – I mean, it was a Saturday news dump. We found out at 5.50 that a podcast was going to drop uh, with uh, Harbaugh and John Jansen in the trenches. He's going to name a court, the quarterback decision. He's going to give out the depth chart. So that comes out around dinnertime Saturday. So a lot of us, obviously the three of us, we were all in very different spots Saturday. But basically how it's going to break down, Caden McNamara, the Big Ten champion winning quarterback, the, the guy who's been – QB one uh, throughout most of the off season. He will start the opener against Colorado state. Both guys will play as Chris said, JJ McCarthy, who is, you know, the, the five-star recruit, the guy who you know, came in and, and had the, the big arm and, and showed a lot of dual threat ability last season. He will start week two against Hawaii come week three. They'll reevaluate, reevaluate, make a decision on a starter and a backup. And, and who knows how long that dynamic would even last, but, you know, it really does seem like they they are calling a spade a spade. They are, like I said the other day on our Thursday show, they're taking the opportunity to use this soft – I mean, you, you guys saw what Vanderbilt did to Hawaii over the weekend. That's mm-hmm. 63 to 10, I think that was. Uh, this is a light schedule. And Michigan's not treating it as a preseason game, but they are using it as, hey, we can win with either of these guys. Let's give them each a game or as much – game reps as we can when it matters and move forward from there 
And Jim Harbaugh took it a step further, fellows, when he said we could win a championship with either one of these guys. He called Cade McNamara one of the most improved players on this team, which is what we had heard. And, you know, Cade said, I think last week when he was named captain, he said, I'm playing the best football of my life. But so is J.J. McCarthy, and he didn't have spring. And we know that his upside is higher in terms of the arm, his ability to move. But, you know, when it comes to putting the ball in the end zone, Cade McNamara did a really good job of that. So I think I saw a question up there from somebody named Adrian Robinson and said, is this a precursor to Jim Harbaugh naming J.J. McCarthy the starter? Yeah, if he earns it, because this is not going to be one of those things where, okay, well, we're throwing J.J. out there and we're expecting him to win it. If J.J. McCarthy was going to win the job, you know, if he had won the job, they would know it already in camp. And that has not been the case. Cade McNamara has been better in a lot of practices. In fact, two or three times we've had practice observers tell us that Cade McNamara was the better quarterback in practice. Now, there have been other practices, obviously, where J.J. McCarthy's been the guy. So uh, I love them both. And, you know, what? we don't have a dog in this fight. And we keep saying this because everybody's like, well, how can you defend the decision to go with Cade? Well, number one, he helped change the culture of the program last year. And he's a great leader. Number two, he did lead them to a, a Big Ten champion. So it's a good problem to have as long as you navigate it correctly. Something that I, I don't think Lloyd Carr really did with Tom Brady and Drew Henson, if you look back. So it's dicey, but that's why those guys get paid the big bucks, fellas. It's it's very dicey. It's uh, I like the move. And as Anthony said, yeah, I was uh, out breaking 100 at Ravines and Saugatuck uh, when that came out. Yeah. So congrats to me. Not a big deal to break 100, but, you know, not everyone can do it. Right. So um but then I started thinking about it and I had a few bad holes because that was the only thing that was on my mind. And I, I think I like it. I think I like the setup and I like it because I believe Jim Harbaugh when he says he's not up there doing coach speak and that it really is this even every player we've talked to have said neck and neck has kind of been that cliche term that everyone's using, but I think they're using it because it's the truth. And Jim Harbaugh with another innovative move of, hey, well, we have two starting quarterbacks, so they're both going to start games. It's a promotion for J.J. McCarthy, not a demotion for Cade McNamara, as he said. And I think it does speak to how well J.J. played during camp because to get to this spot after missing the spring, missing a lot of the summer, when I talked to him in late June, he was like, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting closer. It's like, man, we're almost at July 4th. Camp starts you know, early August, and he's still not 100%. Well, he gets there. Uh, and obviously had a great three, four weeks here. So speaks to, you know, the level of play he's at. And we'll see. I mean, as, as Harbaugh said, too, today, I mean, each game's going to be different. Hawaii, I mean, they could, probably don't even need to throw to beat Hawaii, but they will a little bit. Um, and Colorado State's probably a stiffer task, although I, I do think they're going to win it pretty big. Um, so it's not going to be a perfect, you know, one-to-one -one comparison between the two, but they're each going to have their opportunity. And as you said, Chris, it's not going to be based solely on that game, but – um, you know, this thing could go well into the season two where, you know, you kind of have a guy start, but the other guy comes in. I hope they have something pretty settled or at least a plan going forward by the time they play Maryland, at the very least, by the time you go to Iowa City. For sure. I, I saw a, a comment from Stephen Clapp on there, and uh, Steve, thanks for chiming in. That you know what, don't make it a series by series thing, or a you know a couple snaps here and a couple snaps there. These guys need time to get into the flow of a mm -hmm. game and to evaluate a defense. And you know, even when 
Tom Brady had a half sometimes. You know what? You can do things in the second half after looking at things and evaluating things you did in the first half that you didn't see in the first half and come out in the second half. So uh, that's the thing. You give them time. And the reason that it was never going to be a, hey, Colorado State versus Hawaii, see who's best, and then go from there is because, number one, Hawaii's awful. Colorado State's not great, but that is a team that, that you know, can throw the ball a little bit. It's going to be well coached. Hawaii might arguably be the worst team in FBS. So, uh, like you said, you know what? I remember Devin Gardner when he threw for like 800 yards against Indiana and there were receivers all over the field. And if you were basing it on a game like that and saying, oh, well, he's clearly the guy. No, it doesn't work that way. So there's a reason that these guys have been given the same amount of reps, A, B, in practice and with the first team, with the second team. And now it's live action and let's see what they can do. But I, I agree with Steve, man. Give them some time here. I, I like this, the setup. and But this is not going to be one of those things where after week three or four, in my opinion, we have a set starter. I think this could go on all year. And Jim Harbaugh acknowledged as much that if they continue to play like they are now, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And I like the, I like the attitude that, listen, like we know what Cade can do for us. We, we think we know what JJ can do for us. We, we know we can win with both guys. And I'm not picking, you know, this is Jim Harbaugh saying, essentially, I'm not picking the guy based on who I think can beat the non-conference teams in Maryland and Iowa. We want to find out who our guy is that can go out there and help us beat Ohio State again. And like I said before, you have the luxury of having these three non-conference games where uh, ESPN's FPI has them. I think it's 97.6 for Colorado State and over 99% for Hawaii and UConn. I mean, these are glorified scrimmages. So it does speak to something else we've talked about too, where I feel we've always said like if J.J. McCarthy is going to win the job, he's going to have to take it from Cade. It really does, based on people that, that we've heard from and that we've spoken to, I mean, it really seems like heading into maybe the last week of fall camp, it was, you know, both guys were neck and neck performing well, but Cade was was definitely the guy that was out in front. I, I heard, I, I've heard that JJ kind of turned it on that last week of camp, starting with that last scrimmage that they had. And and that's where, that's partially why we're at, uh, where we're at today. So excited to see that this is really, to me, and again, you can't put a lot of stock into, you know, maybe Cade throws for 250 yards this weekend, but you know, two of his throws are a 75-yard touchdown to Ronnie Bell and a a 60-yard touchdown to a wide-open Cornelius Johnson. Like, it's gonna go. I feel like when a lot of people weigh in on this debate, it's looking at box scores from last year, or it's looking at, oh, well, look at what Cade did against Ohio State. He only threw for X amount of yards. You're looking at execution. You're looking at snap-to-snap consistency. You're looking at things like that, and and leading scoring drives taking care of the football, all of those things. Uh, but I will say, and I said this to Clayton earlier, and I have no issue saying it like publicly here on the air. This announcement over the weekend was kind of the first time where, so we've always said that like it feels like that line is who's going to be the guy that starts at Iowa because that's really kind of where the season kicks into high gear. This development, and with them kind of giving J.J. more time to take that job, the, the weekend news is kind of the first time that I've truly believed that J.J. McCarthy wi- might wind up being the guy who takes those snaps, the, the majority of the snaps when they play a game in Iowa. So we've long said it. If he's as good as we think he can be, there's really no argument otherwise that he's not you know the more exciting of the two quarterbacks, that he doesn't have the higher ceiling, then that's the guy that they have to go with. And, and they're going to give him a chance to earn it. So um, you know, I'll stop short of saying that Hawaii game will be a JJ McCarthy coronation. Obviously, it's a night game, all that stuff. So the the hype will be pretty high for it. But I I feel like 
I do feel I can't help but feel like slightly this has taken a bit of a turn. But also at the end of the day, whatever happens, I'll go back to what I've said. This is great no matter how it plays out for Michigan. Yeah, and let's be honest. Kate McNamara is going to play a ton in that game too probably. And Davis Warren against and uh, Alex mm-hmm. Orgy and some of these other guys, you know. So uh, Bowman, who knows uh, who will get in there for that game. But that should be an absolute blowout. And again, there's not a whole lot that you can tell. Frankly, you could probably take more away from a scrimmage against the Michigan defense than you will in live action unless somebody goes out there and chokes, you know. And it's like, oh, my God, the lights are on and I'm, I'm choking, which isn't going to happen. These guys are both great quarterbacks and they both shined in some areas, in some ways on the biggest stage already this, again, they played in the playoff last year. They played in the, in the big 10 championship game, they beat Ohio state. So the one thing that bugs me is the people that are, are rooting for Cade McNamara to fail so that JJ McCarthy can get his shot or saying, you know, it's, it's stupid to, to give Cade McNamara a shot. These people don't understand how football works and how teams work, right? You've got a guy that's your captain there. Can you even imagine like, well, you know, Cade's been practicing better or at least as good as JJ, but we're going to go with JJ because uh, you know what? We like him and we like his upside. You know what? It, it, there are a lot of aspects to coaching. And one of them is keeping control of your team and making sure that there's no dissension. And, and so I think this is a, a good way to handle it. Uh, you're hoping that that, that, that that competition remains uh, content, like Jim Harbaugh said, and, and not contentious. So, uh, and I, but I like them both. I really do. And, uh, you know, I remember when Lloyd Carr was asked about his quarterbacks back, I like them both and everything else. Well, you got to like both of these guys. And I really appreciate the fact that they have to, because guys, there have been a lot of years where they didn't even have one. So let's enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I love how Jim Harbaugh was saying today. I mean, the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. And he was asking, literally openly asking us and media members in the press conference, is that true? Do you know that to be true? And, yeah, it's probably true in some cases. If you have two bad quarterbacks and you don't really have a good quarterback, if you have two good quarterbacks, you have two good quarterbacks. We saw it on display last season. Both guys are better this year. As Chris, you mentioned earlier, Jim Harbaugh naming him one of the, you know, Cade McNamara, one of the most improved players on the team. And J.J. McCarthy – raising his level to be just about even or neck and neck with that. This is a great, great, great problem to have. If you're Michigan, it's a great problem to have that, you know, you have some early season games and, hey, we can we can kind of roll them out there. Also important to note, these guys are going to practice before this game here this week. They're going to practice next week before the Hawaii game. They're going to practice the week after before the UConn game. So it's the competition's not just going to be based on the two Saturdays. There's going to be not only the practices that happen in fall camp, but the ones in between too. But I'll be interested because I do think it's going to be fairly even again coming out of these first two games. And then, you know, how do you make a decision from there? Do you keep flip-flopping? Our John Borton, one of the best in the business, posted uh, he was, you know, half joking on the message board the other day. Well, if they continue this and he went down, you know, who would start which game if you go every other? I don't think they're going to do that, but I think we're going to see a healthy dose throughout the season. And let's say – one guy does struggle, then I think the other guy is going to come in and you probably have, uh, you know, one of the better backups, no matter who it is in the country. So pretty good situation, but it's, it's going to be interesting. You got to play it right. Um, you know, Cade McNamara is a leader. He said all the guys in the quarterback room just want to win. But, you know, let's say J.J. starts and he ends up being the guy and Cade's the backup. You never know how a guy's going to react. I think Cade McNamara would take it as well as you could. But you just don't know. And he might think he would react a certain way right now. But again, once you're in that situation, you don't know. But they got to play it right. And I think let the best man win. 
well, he's a captain, so he better take it right. And look, yeah. Tom Brady didn't handle it. I handled it perfectly. Even yeah. when he, you could tell he was seething at times. It's probably before you guys were born uh, or maybe you were in diapers or five years old or something like that. But he, I remember watching him stew on the sidelines at Syracuse when Drew Henson was in there and you could tell how angry he was. And it's not like Michigan was throwing the ball all over the place, but I want to speak to something that Anthony said about that Iowa game and that Iowa game, it's going to be interesting because that would be the first really hostile environment in which J.J. McCarthy say he's the guy had to go in there and, and lead a win, right? He played in the playoff. I understand that they were down 34 to three or whatever, and they didn't have anything to lose when he was in there. And I'm not minimizing what he did. He did a couple of good things in that game. But against Iowa, you've got to have a – you cannot turn the ball over, number one. That defense is basically designed to not give up the big play, right? They don't, they don't blitz a whole lot. They're going to be – they're one of those defenses – that is going to do everything fundamentally sound. So you better be on your game. You can't have somebody taking chances and, and you can't be taking five, seven yard losses on, on first or second down. So that'll be very interesting to, to me to see what decision they make there because Cade McNamara has played at Penn state. I think he played the full game at Penn state, if I'm not mistaken. Am I right? Yep. yep. At, at Nebraska, uh, you know, the things that he did there and leading a comeback and people can say, Oh, it wasn't him. They won in spite of him and all this crap, which is a, was a bunch of crap but uh to me that's that's going to be very interesting to see how they play that one and how if it's going in the game say jj were to start and you know what had a couple of slip-ups does Cade come in but these are options that you have i mean if somebody just posted on there and i read this is not wilton spate versus john o'corn this is much better than that it absolutely is you've got two winners now uh two guys that you feel like can can get the job done if one guy's off his game and one guy comes in and spurs a comeback then that's fantastic yeah, Iowa forced uh, 31 takeaways last year, by the way. You're yeah. right. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's tough. And they bring most of their defense back. Yep. Well, a couple a couple points here as we kind of wrap up on the quarterback thing, and we'll get into depth chart here soon. Um, I get tired of hearing the – especially in the college game, the, the if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. That's, that's probably – that's true with the NFL. Um, you know, like the Lions, they have two backup quarterbacks right now. They're both terrible, so they don't have one. <laughs> Um, their, their starter's like, not very good either. I'm sorry, but go ahead. Continue. Well, we, that's a that's a live show for maybe a Sunday night. Exactly. With All right. Um, but you know, I don't remember people saying when Alabama had Jalen Hurts and, and Tua Tagovailoa that well, they had two very talented quarterbacks, so they don't have one. I guess I don't remember hearing that stuff when you know Chris Leak and, and Tim Tebow were were doing kind of QB duties during that 2006 season. So that's never really applied to college football, and I think like. Any talk about this little derby of one for you, one for Cade, one for JJ, uh, as we get deeper into the season, I do think before we get to Maryland or, or Iowa that they are going to settle on a guy. And they'll probably still play both guys. Though, like I said before, I think if JJ does wind up being the guy, there's a little less value to me in that platoon because you know you have the guy who you're starting that can do both things. What made that platoon so good last year is that you could bring in JJ and all of a sudden, oh, is it a QB run? Or, or what are they going to do with that here? So um, I guess my final point on that would be, you know, making a case for JJ is that something that has made their defense or that made their defense so good last year and that we think will make their defense good this year is that they can confuse you. They can throw a lot of looks at you because a lot of guys can do a lot of different things. Offensively, it's a little more meat and potatoes, right? We're going to bully you up front. We're going to run the football. We're going to take advantage of what the defense gives us. When you have a guy like J.J. McCarthy on the field who does have incredible arm talent, 
He's got, you know, obviously the dual threat stuff. He'll be a factor in the quarterback run game. That's another chess piece where, you know, you imagine a backfield where J.J. McCarthy's taking a snap with both Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards on one end. You've got your wide receivers up there. That's matchups. That's chess. And that's, again, that's another thing that even if the turnovers are a factor, like, okay, like, J.J. only he had a couple fumbles and two interceptions last year. He played quite a bit, so I'm not – the Michigan State stuff hurt, but I'm not going to hold one game against a true freshman. They had plenty of other opportunities to win that game. Um, again, it's just – it's a chess piece thing. It's a matchups thing. And like I've said before, if that guy's ready to go and he takes the job from Cade, right, that's the key in all this. He has to take and win the job. That just to me, it raises the ceiling of your offense. So I, that that would be my case for him moving forward. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. If he takes the job, and you know what, you can't stick with him too long either. Uh, you know, when you've got a guy like Cade who has proven uh, on the road to have been able to do some things as well. So when people say, "What else can what can he do that maybe JJ can't?" Well, remember the Brady Henson thing? They were saying the same thing, and Tom Brady came in in, the, in that. Michigan State game and moved him down the field, made the right throws and didn't have the huge arm. He had a good enough arm, but he didn't have the Drew Henson arm. Uh, you know, wasn't as mobile as Drew Henson and still was the better quarterback in hindsight. So, yeah, there are some things, some areas in which quarterbacks, it's not physical, but they can still be better. So uh, it'll be fascinating, fellas. I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. Uh, I'm glad we get to sit back and watch it and critique it. Right. And uh, it was interesting looking at some of the reporters look at their feet when Jim Harbaugh said, you know, who wrote that if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. And, you know, some guys put their heads down and it's like, it wasn't us. I looked right at them and, you know, no, yeah. it wasn't us, man. That so, felt good there. Exactly. Yeah. It did feel good. So, uh, yeah. but that's a stupid cliche. And it's like AB said, it's never really been true when you have two good quarterbacks, like both of you said. Here's, here's a question from Deshaun Cole, where who would you go with as a starter? I think that's, uh, you know, like it's a great question, but it is, it's so tough to answer. I would say, Anthony and I were talking about this after the press conference today. I think the best case for Michigan might be where Cade McNamara continues to have a slight edge coming out of these first two games. He starts, but J.J. plays. They go with a similar rotation to last year, maybe more J.J. as you would expect. They somehow get by against Iowa. You know, if J.J. plays better, maybe he gets more extended run later in the game, all that sort, sort of thing. And then maybe after Indiana, if J.J. continues to surge and prove he's the guy, then maybe you go with him. But for me, Chris, going back to the Iowa game and how tough that's going to be against that defense, it might be the better thing to kind of have the steadier hand a little bit there. But, man, if J.J. proves that he has some of those intangibles that Cade has, yeah. you know, reading the secondary, knowing what's coming, knowing what blitzers are coming. You look at Cade's numbers against the blitz last season. They were fantastic. So we can't discount the fact J.J.'s learning from him too. He's learning from Matt Weiss the guy who's also teaching Cade, if he picks up on some of that, he's the guy, in my opinion. Um, and if he picks up on a lot of that, because it's it's not small stuff. Yeah. Um, but how, what do you guys think is the most ideal situation? Yeah, Deshaun, it's a great question because we aren't at practice every day. So we can, yeah, if, yeah. if I saw every practice, I'd be able to give you a better opinion. We can only go out based on what we've heard. One of the things that I thought was interesting that Jim Harbaugh said, though, was we aren't asking him to be the other quarterback. So, for example, Deshaun, one of the things that Cade McNamara did well last year, throwing the ball away or getting rid of it instead of taking a sack, whereas you've got J.J. McCarthy, who is more of a risk taker, right? So instead of maybe throwing it away, he might want to take 
take a chance and keep a play alive. We saw a couple times where that re- resulted in huge losses. We also saw a couple times where he threw the ball across the field and it's like a wow play. And you know what? All the, the JJ stands were like, oh my God, you know, go get the Kleenex and everything else. And it was like, you can't, it's, it's one of those things where, because they were in tears, but it's one of those things where, uh, where you just don't know because we don't see them every day. So it is going to be one of, one of those areas issues where we have to see him in games. And if you ask me after game three, game four, maybe game five, I think we'll have a better idea. Kind of like Brady Henson that one year where you could tell uh, Tom Brady's senior year. Okay, enough of this. Drew Henson wasn't really Drew Henson until his junior year anyway. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's a better quarterback. Stay with him. He gives you a better chance to win. They had to lose a game, Michigan State, of all games, to come to that realization. You can't have that happen this year with such a talented team. And again, that's why it's up to these guys to make the decision, and I'm glad I don't have to make it. Yeah. um, So, yeah, to answer Deshaun's question, I mean, I think I kind of already made the case for J.J. McCarthy. It's no disrespect to Cade. As I've said before, this is all about who is the best for this team this year. And I've, I've said it all off season that because of what this team has at wide receiver, because of, you know, uh, some of the questions on defense and because of the fact that both these guys were here last year, whoever plays quarterback is just going to have to shoulder more of the load this year. And again, I, I also would say like, re- like weighing the turnovers and weighing the fact that, you know, if you want to call JJ McCarthy, a gunslinger, that's fine. But, um, you know, don't be afraid. Don't don't be risk adverse either. You know, don't be risk adverse. That can be a detriment to your team. You know, if if that guy again, I've said it before. If that guy is ready to go, he's going to be too good to keep off the field, and he'll stay on the field. And because Michigan coaches, this isn't a politics thing. I mean, both of these guys technically have three seasons of eligibility remaining. Um, and that, that, that's not to say whoever winds up being the starter this year is locked in for the next three years because transfers happen. One of them could pop and go to the NFL after this. Who knows? Like anything and everything is always on the table. Um, but yeah, I, you know, calling calling it like it is, whoever does wind up probably winning this job and, and the other guys probably might, it's, it's, that's how it is now. The other guy might look elsewhere after the year, but like Jim Harbaugh said, and we'll end one of the quarterback talk on this, Neither of these guys are going to flinch at any sign of adversity. I, I they might be pissed off. They might take it as a bit of a slight against them. But you know, this has been a, a battle that has raged. You know, I know JJ didn't throw in the spring, but he was in. He was in Cade McNamara's hip pocket. He was still dropping back. He was still in the playbook, learning defenses. So again, uh, we could we could argue about it till we're blue in the face. But the fact of the matter is, is you have two championship caliber quarterbacks on the roster, and, and that's that should be most exciting to Michigan fans. So as we move through our show now, again, feel free to, to chime in, get your questions in. A lot of great feedback coming in. With Thanks again to everyone who's here. Let's talk about rest of the depth chart now. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, as transparent as he's ever been. I mean, he's pretty much just putting it all out there now. And that was another dig he kind of got in at the media was that, hey, if we don't just put it out there, then – our players talk to people, people talk to people. It gets out there anyway. So I may as well be transparent, He's which right. is great because that's actually less digging we have to do when you just throw it out in the open. So we love to hear that. Uh, you know, I'll start with Clayton here. You know, you you were the one that kind of did the nitty gritty stuff in terms of putting the depth charts out. So uh, I guess start with offense, some of your biggest takeaways based on what we've seen. Well, as you said, he made it easy for us finally this time uh, with some of that. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what we thought, though. So I guess to toot our own horn there, but 
<laughs> you have the quarterback situation. Um, you guys want to do another 30 minutes on that? No. <laughs> Maybe next but, time. Uh, you're, but you're right, Clay. It, it kind of wrote the story, wrote itself, right? Because there, there were no surprises. Exactly. Um, and Chris, you asked a great, great question today about the backup offensive lineman that he didn't touch on in there. Feel pretty good about that depth in the next year or two. Uh, I think they need to solidify it a little bit more going forward long term after that. They've struggled a little bit offensive line recruiting. Uh, that's kind of more of a big picture takeaway. The talent on offense stands out skill position wise. The fact that they have what six or eight tight ends that he said are really going to be in the mix, which we'll see how that actually plays out when you have two guys on the Mackey award watch list. You want them on the field, in my opinion, as much as possible. But again, I'm not making you know the money to uh, make those calls, I guess. Wide receivers, there's a top five with Roman Wilson, Ronnie Bell, um, Cornelius Johnson, A.J. Henning, and Andrew Anthony. That's a really good five right there. Excited to see. You know, you hear a, a lot about those guys playing well. We saw them each play well in spurts last year, and it was one guy, you know, a different guy every game. Excited to see the strides that Andrew Anthony makes, that Roman Wilson made, a guy who's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Glad he's getting his due because he came up huge. He tied for the team's leading touchdowns last year at two against Penn State, the big game against Wisconsin. So uh, the talent stands out and the fact that we're going to get to, you know, not only are we going to be watching the quarterbacks these first few weeks, but there's a great opportunity to watch Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards. What are they going to do with him and his role? Um, there's a lot to watch and it's not going to be preseason. You know, really it is, it's go time at this point, but they're going to have opportunity to tinker with some different things. They won't show everything, but there's a lot to like. Whatever they do, I think is going to work in the first few weeks here. Although I don't want to be on a old takes exposed thing after Colorado State comes in here and wins, so yeah, it better not happen. I think it, I think everybody would be on old takes exposed if that's right. the case. Yeah. But uh, you know, the one thing he left off, Andrew Andrew Gentry, on you know he'd spoken about him and he said this is a kid that's going to have a chance to play early. He said that about a week ago, I think, and then all of a sudden maybe it was an oversight, left him off, you know, and saying that uh, mentioning a bunch of guys without Gentry and Gentry is a guy in my opinion who's going to be an absolute stud here. So based on everything we'd heard. So we're going to talk to John Jansen about that later in the week and get his opinion on him and the backups. But I did ask Jansen about this about a week and a half ago when we were talking on the phone and he said, these guys are big, they're strong, they're athletic. He said, these guys look like a Michigan offensive line of, of old that how they used to look the backups. And there, when remember when Brady Hope came in here and you couldn't afford to get one guy hurt because Rich Rod had recruited like two offensive linemen in five years or three years or whatever it was. Who needs them? Yeah. Who needs them? You know, let's pull an uh, air conditioner repairman off the street. Right. Exactly. And some pylons as Anthony likes to say. <laughs> so, but uh, beef up. Yeah. Traffic cones. I'm sorry, but that's the thing. Uh, they, now they've got the depth and uh, some, they've got some projects. Tristan Brett bounds is a project and guys like that, but they've also got in the freshman that Harbaugh said a couple weeks ago, we're all, all really passed the look test. I think he compared one of them to a, uh, I think he compared one of them to John Runyon Jr. at the same time. And he's, and John Runyon's starting for the, the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, it, it's a lot, it's a lot to digest and who knows, but it's a lot of fun because uh, it's back to where we expected it to be under Jim Harbaugh. It took a while, just kind of like it took Debo Swinney a while to get going at Clemson, but you feel like if they get on board with NIL and this thing continues to progress, then you have a sense that at least for the next few years, it's going to be really good. And beyond that, it should be really good as well if they continue to recruit well. Yeah, a couple of quick offensive takeaways from me. We'll move to defense after that. Um, 
third running back or third best rusher on the team, apparently per Harbaugh, CJ Stokes. That was yeah. eye opening. Um, it still kind of sounds like let you know Tavier Dunlap is in the mix for that uh, third back job. Uh, Isaiah Gash, another guy they like that runs really hard. So I still think that the third running back will be by committee. It seems like, but good to hear. Like anytime a guy pops in in you know during the summer and is ready to go, especially a true freshman by. You know, season opener, that's always good to hear. Um, Peyton O'Leary, a walk-on wide receiver who they keep saying had Cooper Cup, Cooper, Cooper Cup type of, uh, of camp. He's, I guess, been killing it with jump balls and, and things like that in in, uh, in fall camp. So there's that group of five at the top, uh, those those five wide receivers. Then you've got kind of the freshmen waiting in the wings. But seems like Peyton O'Leary is going to play too. Uh, Max Bredesen, a guy like that at tight end, who they're going to work in there. So eight tight ends that they say that are playable this year, which is insane. They're just so deep everywhere. So we'll see if uh, real quick, AB, we'll see if uh, Peyton O'Leary is Ken Higgins, who was uh, a walk-on receiver for Jim Harbaugh, who kind of mm. came out of nowhere and did some really good things. Or if he's the next Nate Shanley, who we heard about every camp and just caught a couple passes and played on special teams, because that is one deep receiver room. If he cracks that receiver room, then holy cow, good for that kid. Yeah, he mainly blocked though. He was willing to block. I'll give him that. Yeah, there you go. I, I actually went back and watched Peyton O'Leary's high school uh, highlights the other day. Lacrosse? No, for football. <laughs> and he, I know he's also a good lacrosse yes. player. And I mean, if you would have told me that he was a recruit, I, I would have believed you. I mean, he was making big plays. I don't know anything about the competition. I didn't dig enough into it. But uh, and then Jamon Green saying today that he looks like just like any other receiver that comes through here. So. I mean, he is impressing guys, and Jim Harbaugh said he's the number two guy at the X position behind Cornelius Johnson. So, I mean, I'm again, he's not just up there doing politics, or you know, there'd be no reason to do that with a, a walk on. So, kudos to Peyton O'Leary, man. I'm rooting for the kid. And he had a freshman and freshman AB. Talk, I mean, that doesn't even count the freshman freak show, right? Who have been doing some good things in practice. Yeah, Darius Clemens, Morgan Walker, Tyler Morris. I mean, I think those guys will all. Some of them might only get their four games, but I think Darius Clemens is going to play. And, and yeah. like I said, anytime you have that many guys, and and not the you know not to bring the mood down, but there's there's going to be guys that get banged up. There's going to be an injury somewhere. They might need Peyton O'Leary to to be on the field at some point, or Darius Clemens, or what have you. So uh, those were kind of some quick quick snap offensive takeaways. Uh, hot take: uh, they're loaded on that side of the ball. Uh, yeah, we haven't talked are. about that a ton. No, Morris, uh, Morris had a, a great scrimmage a couple of weeks ago, guys, where he was, I mean, he's got some moves. So uh, these guys, they, you're right. They're just loaded top to bottom. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun to, to track those guys and see how they're going. Uh, we will do, here's what we'll do. Let's do defensive takeaways. And then maybe the last uh, uh, 10 minutes or so we'll do questions. And then I know uh, we want to be out of here before seven o'clock uh, so we can listen to Jim Harbaugh's radio show. Harbaugh is just making the rounds the last couple of days. So, mm-hmm. Uh, guy. defensive takeaways, uh, anything of note on there. There's actually a little more to go through than, than there was on offense. Uh, a couple things for me, Mason Graham, I said in the spring, it was kind of a, a hot take then that he looked to me like the best true freshman defensive tackle that I had seen at that point in his career in the last deck several decades and guess what now he's starting and now you can look and say oh my god if you're starting a true freshman in a base package let's make that clear then 
you're in trouble. That's not the case. This guy was holding his own, and I was going back and watching the scrimmage highlights, the, the spring scrimmage highlights of him against Olu Oluwatimi and some of those offensive linemen, and this dude was holding his own, and I'm thinking, this is unbelievable. Uh, this is If you've got him and Mozzie Smith in there at the same time, how are you going to run against that? Because he is fundamentally sound. You can tell he was a wrestler. He's got some of the, those Rob Rina's qualities, except he's a lot bigger. So uh, once he gets on to you, man, I mean, he, he can get off you, you know, uh, he can clog that line. I love what he brings to the table. I remember exchanging some words with his dad and saying, you know what, uh, this kid is going to be something else and he's going to have a chance. And here he is. So when then you can bump Chris Jenkins out to end and you've got one heck of a stout defensive line. I think the interior line is going to be one of the best we've seen in a long time. You know, Maurice Hurst back in the day, you know, the 2016 defense was obviously outstanding. I think it's going to be up there with that. And then we'll see what happens on the edges. But he talked about Jalen Harrell. He calls him Harrell. Is it Harrell or Harrell? Because Jim Harbaugh calls him Harrell. I know, but he gets some of them wrong. So he exactly like Schoonmaker and Schoonmacher. His mama called him Jalen, so I'm going to call him Jalen. We'll call him Jalen, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we'd heard some good things about him as a pass rusher in the spring, and he mentioned him and Taylor Upshaw and Mike Morris as the three starting ends. Now, that doesn't mean that those are going to be the guys rushing the passer on third and long. You're going to need some other guys, maybe Ayabi Anoma, who he talked about. Uh, he's had 10 to 12 practices, said he hopes to see him in the opener. Uh, Derek Moore is a true freshman. I'm guessing by the end of the year is going to be one of their better pass rushers. He said once he gets a second secondary move and he gets that motor up there like Aiden Hutchinson that he's going to be an absolute stud and I can see that so the, the fact is there's talent all over the field some of it's not as proven but it's like he said David Ojaba wasn't proven last year either and look what happened with him so Junior Colson I think is going to have an all Big Ten season at linebacker they're banged up at that position guys they got a couple backups there that are hurt uh, or in starters even Nikai Hill Green he even mentioned on his show is a guy that may or may not play in the opener and Michael Barrett against that offense is probably a guy you're going to want on the field anyway they're going to be slinging it with the Nevada's old coach out there. And yeah. so uh, he might be that guy anyway. He might have been anyway. But uh, And then on the back end, when, he, when he's talking about Makari Page, I, I was happy for that kid because this is a kid who has had good springs and good falls and then faded. But now he is playing extremely well. And if you can maintain that consistency, then you've got three great safeties back there, in my opinion, that can really do some things. Not the star power you had when Dax Hill was back there, but you've got the steady Eddies like a Brad Hawkins and R.J. Moten, who is still a, a very good athlete, and Rod Moore, who is just an absolute student of the game. So I'm excited to see how these guys play together. Yeah, like we talked about earlier, a lot of different looks you can throw out there. I mean, there's, there's going to be a look where – you probably have Mike Morris rushing from a stand-up position. There might be a look where he's rushing from the interior. Um, you know, there's a lot of sub-package things that they can do and that they're going to do. Uh, I think maybe to a certain extent, especially with your defensive fronts, probably a lot more than they were able to do last year just because it seemed like that pass rush at times last year was just, uh, hey, go get the quarterback, and they had two guys that could do it. Uh, I think the secondary, they're always – I mean, something you're seeing in the NFL now, there's a lot of teams that run three safety looks. And I think that's something that uh, Jim Harbaugh has said they're going to do with RJ Moten, Makari Page, Rod Moore, uh, Caden Colsar, I think is going to get some time there as well. Mike Sainer still is your starting nickel. Uh, that's confirmed now. So, yeah, um, I mean, I saw we have a question there about the secondary we'll get to. So we'll expound on that in a little bit. But, yeah, I just I look at the defense as a whole. Mason Graham, some guys – some guys just come out ready out of the box and recruiting rankings don't always account for that. I think sometimes they look at the athleticism, the traits, and that's, 
that's totally fine. I mean, at, at the end of the day, they're they're rating these guys based on what they think their ultimate college potential and ceiling could be. But you know, sometimes you just have guys that can play. Uh, Mason Graham was a three star. Kenneth uh, Kenneth Grant uh, was a three star. So it's it's one of those things where um, you know you've you've just got guys that are ready to play. Freshmen are going to play and play big roles like they have the last couple of years, and they have a pretty deep roster across the board. I do want to oh, like nope, go ahead. I do want to point out Kenneth Grant was a four star and the number one one hundred two player in the country on on threes rankings. But yes, two services had him as a three star. So well, yeah, my, my I bad. I was thrown by the composite there. So That's no, right. I got you. No, I'm just saying. I yeah. think uh, well, I think they got him a little more accurately ranked. This is the other thing, and we need to put some respect on this man's name. EJ said it about Mason Graham, and he said it about Kenneth Grant that those two guys are way better than their rankings indicate. Yes. And lo and behold, one guy is a, is a starter in the base packages. The other guy, I think, is going to be you know he's a rotational guy for now. But the gift from the gods, the gift from the football gods, as Jim Harbaugh said, and EJ being our EJ Holland, our recruiting expert who uh, does a great job evaluating these kids, and I think was a 125 pound defensive end. He said so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, one thing I, I do want to add, I think Junior Colson, you're going to see him in a lot of pass rush situations as a guy who can get there, uh, you know, on blitzes. And then uh, one thing I've always loved about past defensive lines is when you can collapse a pocket from the interior, that's almost better than when you have ends coming in, you know, a guy can escape the pocket when that pocket's getting pushed back. If you've got a Kenneth Grant in there or, or a Mason Graham and a Mozzie Smith, and you say, push that thing back, uh, you know what? And, and that quarterback feels it. Uh, that could be just as effective guys as, as an Aiden Hutchinson or a David Ojabo coming from the end. So uh, I think you're going to see some of that. And it's, it's exciting to me. It's exciting to me to see how Jesse Minner is going to use them and how his defense compares to Mike McDonald's. Now he's got different personnel, but, and they're very similar guys, these defensive coordinators, but uh, I do believe that it's going to be different in some ways. And I want to see how that's going to be. Yeah. So what do you think fellas? Uh, Probably we've got about eight minutes left here, roll into some questions and then get out of here. So uh, we'll start from Adrian Roberson who says, my question is who do you guys think will call the offensive plays this season? Now we know that, Matt Weiss, Sharon Moore are your co-offensive coordinators. Uh, Mike Hart is a run game coordinator. We know that Jim Harbaugh will always have some say in that dichotomy as well. So how do you guys see it playing out? Is it is it truly collaboration? Is there one guy that will call pass plays, one guy that will call run plays, or is the are they just titles and everyone shapes the identity? How is that going to work? Uh, it's going to be scripted at first a lot of the time, right? They're going to have 15, 10, 15 plays to start the game and then maybe adjust on that. But uh, at the end of the day, last year, it was Jim Harbaugh's offense. And I don't care, you know, Josh Gaddis or whoever can say whatever they want, but you saw so many principles from San Francisco and Stanford offenses, you know, with it, it wasn't the fullback they were using as lead blockers. Sometimes it was tight ends, but it was the same principles. And that had Jim Harbaugh's fingerprints all over it. And that makes me feel good, frankly, because the guy has seen so much football. So I think it will be a collaboration. I think you will see uh, Weiss call some plays. He's going to be more involved in the passing game. I think you're going to see Sharon Moore and the running game. And, it, and you know what? They'll collaborate. And then at the end of the at the end of the day, it's going to be Jim Harbaugh, I think, making the final decision on the call. So um, it's a fascinating question, but I don't think it's ever been just one guy. It was never just one guy when Josh Gaddis was here. Uh, Jim Harbaugh's fingerprints were all over it, with the exception of the speed and space crap. I mean, offense that they ran for a couple of years there that just wasn't effective. So uh, it was good, in my opinion, how they went back to their strengths last year, which was the offensive line. It's going to be the strength again this year. 
Yeah, and by the way, you hear some of the rumblings or rumors that a certain Miami offensive coordinator is telling people that hey, if you want to go hand the ball off 40 times a game, go to Michigan. Well, if he was – then was he the one, you know, calling those? I don't know. I don't want to get into that. But um, I think it's going to be – Yeah, I mean, the inconsistency there. But yep. um, I think Matt Weiss is going to give like a, you know, play that he wants to call. It's going to be 20 seconds of that. Sharon Moore gets a 20-second rebuttal, and then it'll be a delay game. It's going to be be a collaboration, uh, probably, like you said, you know, run pass or um, it's interesting. I'd love to get a little feed of the headset and what's going on in there, because that is one of the more fascinating things that they will just will not talk about. Um, That's yeah, we'll see. Maybe we can get it on the frequency here. Everything's wireless now. All right. Oh, my goodness. All right. We will go next to Nate Booth, who asked, what do you guys think Michigan's record will be? Um, Well, we're all on the record, uh, no pun intended here, uh, in our football preview magazine, which, quick plug, we do still have copies available of, so go ahead to thewolverineondemand.com. Also, uh, if you're here locally, they do have them at the end end as well, so still plenty of time to get your hands on it. It's a good resource even after the season starts. Plenty of player bios, all that. I I said that they would go eleven and one, lose at Ohio State, and go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, so this is can, this is just kind of a rapid fire one. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, Northwestern Nate there with the purple N. I don't know if he did that on purpose, but go go Cats. <laughs> it was a fun game. What a way to open up the Big Ten season. But uh, I don't remember what I p- picked in the magazine, but I do know that I, what I think now, and I think that they can run the table up to. Uh, to Ohio State, uh, and I would predict that uh, with the with the cautionary tale that it, how often does that really happen, guys? You know, there's always usually a slip up in there, and you hope it's not because of the quarterbacks and the way they're playing them or whatever. But um, I firmly believe that that can happen. They will be heavily favored, in my opinion, in most of those games leading up to then. Uh, and again, one caveat, guys, we haven't seen this team play. Uh, we think we know how good they are, and and we hear what Jim Harbaugh says and what's going on in that building, but you never really know about a team until you see them play. Look at Nebraska. Kirk Herbstreit had them win in the West, and now they're essentially – you know what, Nebraska's or Northwestern's got to lose twice for them to even have a chance. So, um, but I firmly believe, based on what we think we know, uh, ask me again after week two or three, and maybe I'll have a different answer. But I think Michigan goes undefeated into Columbus, loses that game, and ends up playing in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, you hate to see Scott Frost lose that game. You hate to see Kirk's prediction, you know, not come true. At least, you know, likely. Uh, I got eleven and one too. I I do have a loss at Ohio State, but. Um, I put in the magazine that they're making the playoffs. So obviously that is, that's predicting like 15 games right there. Cause you need all these different things to happen your way, but uh, you know, why not throw that in there? I guess we'll see. I mean, I think they can, but like you said, it's been since 06 since they've gone into that game undefeated, unless I'm not thinking of a season. So yeah. Um, crazy. It's really, really hard to do. It's hard to do. And uh, at Iowa, Michigan state will be up for them. Uh, who knows how good they'll be. It, it's going to be interesting to see them play against at Washington. I know Washington's got new coach and uh, you know what, they had their issues last year, but it is tough to go out West guys, as we've seen Michigan over the years, even when you're favored Oregon we can go to UCLA games, think games like that. And it doesn't matter who the opponent is. That is a tough game to go out and win. If they do that, uh, I'll give them a nod. Yeah. And something on Ohio state too, it might, a lot of people will give them, I think ESPN's FPI gave them like a one in three chance of, of going undefeated. They weren't able to do that last year. They were, they were undefeated going to the Michigan game. And, oh, yeah. you know, they've got a tough one against Notre Dame to open the year. They have to play the same big 10 schedule that Michigan does, although locations are a bit different. So 
um, you know, that team has a lot to prove. I mean, they're they're the darlings of the off of the off season for some reason, but I I'm, I'm still old, old enough to remember them getting pushed around on both sides of the ball in Ann Arbor last year. So, and I can I can't wait to see Michigan can win that game in Columbus this year just because we're picking them to lose. And you know what? That would be devastating. You know, they'd be on suicide watch there in Columbus, their fan base, and Ryan Day they'd be calling for his head, and it would, uh, it would be fantastic. It would be beautiful. But I I can't wait till Thursday. I can't wait till Penn State Purdue guys. That's the thing. It's not yeah. just about Michigan. It's about what we've got coming up and what we get to see this weekend. Ohio State Notre Dame. It's going to be a great year. But I firmly believe. Michigan's going to have a very good football team this year. All right. We're going to do qu- uh, two quick questions here. Uh, this one's from Deshaun Cole. Uh, seems like a pretty solid team, but what position group has the biggest question marks? I think I'm going to go with one that we alluded to a little bit earlier. I think that's linebacker. I think Julie- Junior Colson has a- as much upside as any player on the roster, but I'm not sure who that second guy next to him is going to be. I know Mike Barrett's in the mix. Nikai Hill Green is hurt. Kalel Mullings was getting work at running back, but apparently he surged and now he's in the mix. Banged up um, a little bit, I think, too, from what we've heard. Yeah, so, so yeah. there are injuries there. You're you're a guy you're a guy or two away from having to play true freshman there. So I, I would be concerned about that. I mean, what do you guys see as as a concern? That and the, and the pass rushing defensive ends, right? I lo- would have loved to hear that somebody just stepped up and was dominating. You know, we've heard Derek Moore, true freshman, but uh, we'll continue to come to the, come back to that. And I know that they struggled, some of them, in one of the first scrimmages. They've come on stronger. They had a game where the defensive line was better than the offensive line or a, a scrimmage where, where Jim Harbaugh said it was obvious. So um, as a whole, I think the defensive line's good. I agree with you on the linebacker depth. And uh, I think the corners will be really solid too. Jamon Green is one of your starters, though. Uh, there's some question marks there, flat out. You know, people can see he, he's shown some great signs, but he's got to be able to find the ball too. So there are some areas on offense. I think they're loaded on defense. I think there's some question marks, but enough guys there where they're going to field a very good defense. Yeah, you got to get pressure with four. It's one of the most important things in college football right now, with the way everybody's passing, opening up the offenses, especially when your biggest game on the schedule, your biggest rival is Ohio State, who does that. Uh, with the best of them. And there are capable guys there. We named a lot of them earlier on in the show. I think they can come on. I think they can be just fine there. But that, that's my biggest question for sure. I want to see it answered. I think it can be answered in a very positive way. Um, but going in, like you said, Chris, like we haven't seen this team play. I want to see it. And, uh, you know, a lot of names there, but let's see who who steps up. All right. Well, uh, we're up against it here at seven o'clock. This flew by. I cannot wait for well Thursday. We'll be back to preview uh, this weekend's game. But Monday nights at six, we'll be here. Uh, appreciate everyone's support. Appreciate uh, Chris and Clayton for taking some time here on a Monday night. Uh, it's game week. Michigan, Colorado State, Saturday noon. ABC. We'll have coverage for you throughout the week here on the YouTube channel, on the website. So again, thank you so much for your support. Like uh, the prompt says there, get this video to 500 likes, share it with your friends, uh, and and, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. 
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-427 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.